Hello and welcome to a God-Focused Life podcast. This is a podcast where we are focused on healthy living, body, soul, and spirit. We were made by God and we were made for God. And when we apply God's principles to our lives in every single area, that is when we will flourish and prosper and live life to its fullest. No matter if trials and tribulations come, we will learn how to have joy and peace in the midst of the trials. In this podcast here recently, I have been going through the books of the Bible and just highlighting the stories. I thought there were many people that maybe have not heard the stories of the Bible. And I just want to say this, and I will probably say this in every single podcast, that these are not just fairy tale stories. They are not made up. They're not make-believe. These are real people that lived on planet Earth. God had interaction with them. We see men's frailty and the way that they need God. And we see God in his mercy, in his forgiveness, and in his redemption story. And so I thought it's just a beautiful story, all of them together, all of them linked together for us to know the heart of God, to know that he loves us. It's not about our works, but it is about our relationship with him. So let's dive in. I've been reading about Abraham and Sarah, and we are going to move on to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now that was a location that Lot had chosen to live in. So when Abram, uh, it was Abraham before his name was changed, Abram and Lot came to the valley or came to the mountains and, or, you know, the area, if you will. And Abraham said, okay, Lot, which area do you want? And Lot chose his area and he, you know, raised up people and had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and just raised up a community. And Abraham did the same thing in his area. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah ended up becoming a place full of sin, full of sin. And God, for his reasons, number one, he chose Abraham to be the father of generations. And this is going to be the generations, uh, the line that we are going to see Jesus birthed in that line as well. So Abraham has a quote unquote, holy line, if you will. And Lot is over on the sidelines, just, uh, just, you know, living in an area where there are, there's a lot of sin going on. And God came to Abraham and let him in on what his plans were for the land of of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said that if he could find 50 people, 50 people in this land who were who were righteous, who had a, um, uh, you know, a holy lifestyle, because we see righteousness means in a relationship with God doesn't mean they're perfect, but they were in relationship. He says, if I can find 50 people. And then Abraham starts talking to the Lord, kind of bargaining, if you will, or just pleading and begging. And he says, what if there's only 45 people? And the Lord said, if there's 45 righteous people, I won't destroy it. Then Abraham says, well, what if there's 40 people? And he says, if there's 40 people, I will not destroy it. And then Abram thought again and he said, okay, Lord, uh, you know, kind of like if I dare to speak again to the Lord, what if there's only 30 people? The Lord said, if there are only 30 people that are righteous, I still will not destroy it. 
And then Abram said, what if there are 20 people? And the Lord said, if I can find 20 people, I will not destroy it. And then Abram said, "If can I just speak one more time and ask you, what if there's only 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah that are righteous? Will you spare it? And the Lord said, I will spare it and I will not destroy it if I can find 10 people. Well, sadly, he could not find 10 people. So there was destruction that came to the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. What's beautiful is that the Lord uh, spared Lot and his immediate family. And God actually sent angels to Lot to talk to him, to prepare him and tell Lot, listen, you need to get your wife and your children out of the city, leave as fast as you can, because we are getting ready to come and destroy this place. We're going to destroy all of the area because the sins are atrocious, atrocious, and the word flagrant sin. We also see homosexuality happening there. We see, uh, there was, and, and I don't want to get too graphic in case there are, are young ones, but we see such a passion for sin. When you read this story, when you go and read the story where people, it wasn't just a, you know, I'm sinning and I'm, you know, just living my lifestyle. It was literally a hunger and thirst and a passion for wrong living for sin. And God said, this is enough. I'm going to destroy it. And so we've seen God destroy the land, the whole world with water. And he promised he would never destroy the whole world with water. And now we are seeing that God is going to destroy and he did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. And he, he did come in judgment. We also see later on, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but later on, even in the old Testament, uh, in future stories, we're going to see where God's judgment continues to come to the children of Israel. He's coming to discipline them. He's coming to warn them. He's coming to, uh, give them consequences, heavy, hardcore consequences for their sins. But Men are bent towards evil. So they would clean it up and ask for forgiveness and then go right back to sin. And that is where we see in the Old Testament, that is the theme. No matter how hard we try, no matter the warnings, no matter uh, the destructions, no matter what the history says, we will always see sin come in and give consequences and the Lord does destroy. Now, Now that we are living in the New Testament and there is debate between scholars and theologians on judgment for today, people will say that God is looking down on us and because of sin, we will face judgment. Some people will say, no, Jesus took the punishment and he took the judgment for all of us. So we will not face the judgment here on earth. It's only the sinners that are not in right relationship with God who will face a judgment for all eternity at the end of time when they go and meet God face to face, or at least the end of their time on earth or the end of time for the earth, because the word is clear that the earth will be destroyed at some point. So there, you know, there's, there are varying beliefs and varying opinions on that. I tend to believe that there are harsh consequences for our sin. And regardless whether or not we can call it discipline or whether we call it judgment, 
we will face consequences for our sin because when we open the door to the enemy, he has access to our lives and he will come in and he will wreak havoc. This is why I'm very careful and I know that I'm not perfect. I know that, you know, my husband and I, we've as careful as we've been with raising our children, we've not been perfect, but we've been very careful to the best of our ability to close the door to certain movies or to certain kinds of music or certain kinds of lyrics, even closing the doors to certain friendships as our children were growing up because Some of those open doors would allow the enemy to come in and plant ideas, plant seeds of sin in our kids' lives. And we would close those doors and we would uh, talk with our kids and work really, really closely with our children so that they would have understanding. They would understand we're not just living by rules. We have to understand that there is an enemy that wants to destroy us. There is an enemy that wants to deceive us and trick us into sin with temptation. And then once we fall for it, he wants to uh, shame us. He wants to cover us in guilt. And then we see that our relationship with God, whether or not we are hiding in shame and guilt or whether we face consequences and some people will get angry with God. How could you allow this to happen when in reality it was the devil all along? He was the one that tricked us into sin and he was the one that caused X, Y, and Z to happen. And so many people will shake their fist towards heaven. I know for myself, it just, this is my heart because of the way that I was raised, I was raised with a fear of God, knowing God is in control. He is holy. He is just, he is so much greater than I am. So regardless of what God's plan is and the way he does things, he is God. Now we are in relationship. I love him. He loves me. We talk, we fellowship. Um, there are things that will make me laugh. There are things that are very kind and gentle, but I have never lost that fear of the Lord to know, you know what? This is an area that, you know, consequences can come in. Now I've shared my testimony before that there were areas in my life where the devil got in. I was My soul was hurting, my heart was broken, and I allowed the enemy to come in and just, he, and it's not like I said, oh yeah, devil, come on in and tell me what your plan is. No, it was all trickery because my heart was broken and then I would, like an idea would pop in my, my head or certain people would be planted in my path or certain things would be in my path and I would fall for it and I would go for that and then I would reap such a horrible consequence for those things. And then it became what is called a soul tie, something that literally hooked inside of my soul, in my heart, and it continued to draw me to those sins, continued to draw me to those people who were just dragging me down. And I had to learn to get to that place where I am not living with the soul ties. I had to break those soul ties. Literally soul ties are, they are emotional but they are also a way of thinking. In our lives as Christians, we have to break the strongholds of the enemy in our minds. It is a mindset. It is the way that we've learned something. It is a pattern in our lives that is not lining up with God's way. People who are not saved literally need to 
combat and say no to the devil, say no to his ways and, and cling to the ways of the father. They, they say, no, I don't want to follow the ways of the world. I want to learn the ways of the word of God. And that is warfare. That is how we combat the enemy is, you know, like a non-believer does not have the tools to combat the, 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 the enemy and the devil. But a believer, once we start getting the truths of the word, that is our ammunition to say, you know what? I'm not believing the lie anymore. I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to believe the truths and I'm going to start lining my, my, my actions, my lifestyle up to the truths of God's word. I want people to pray with me and for me. I want to pray. I want to cultivate this relationship with God and continue growing in that. So it is a process. We're not just perfect immediately. The thing that sticks out to me about Lot and his wife is the fact that even Lot was hesitant to leave. He was hesitant. And the same thing with his daughters and even his wife, they were hesitant. And it says that the angels had to literally grab them by the arms and pull them out of the city. And they had instructions, do not look back lest you turn into a pillar of salt. And Lot's wife, she fell for it and she turned around and looked back. Why? Because of the soul ties. Sometimes we are so in immersed and sin is ingrained in us and we actually love the people. We love the lifestyle. We, we fall in love with our surroundings because it feels good to our soul. It makes sense in our logic. And when you aren't immersed in a godly atmosphere or reading God's word and surrounding yourself with other people who are sharpening you, you will get accustomed to the lifestyle around you to where it becomes blurry. Like mm, things that, that you once knew were wrong in God's word all of a sudden becomes a gray area. And then you start wondering, you know what? Things aren't really that bad. Things aren't that awful. God's not going to send me to hell for this, for that. And, and we start making our bed in sin and then we face the consequences. And sometimes those consequences kind of tarry in coming. We may not face those consequences immediately. It might be days, weeks, months, years, even before we face the consequences. But you need to know this. God is not a man that he should lie. God is supreme. And what he says will come to pass. So with that being said, I want to tell you, dear friend, dear listener, there is a final judgment at the end of your life or at, and at the end of time of the, of our earth as we know it. There will come a judgment. There will come a time where we will face God face to face. And it's not based on what our friends have said. So many people will say, well, have you, you know, listened to their heart? Do you understand why, you know, they're turning to drugs and alcohol and a alternative lifestyle? Do you understand the hardships that they've gone through? They just need something to ease the pain and their hearts are bent towards this, that, and the other. And God's like, my word is supreme. My God, my word is the plumb line uh, for all of life. And it is truth. And it even trumps facts. I mean, we may have facts on planet earth, things that we think, well, this is true and that's true. And that's the, 
but some of those things are wavering and they, they will literally burn up at the end of time. It says that there will be a judgment of fire and what is of God and his word will last forever and ever and ever and ever. But the things of the world, the ideas of the world, the sin, the enemy, God created hell for punishment for the enemy. And then he gave mankind a choice. Do you want to be in relationship with me or do you want to shake your fist towards me, meaning God? Do you want to shake your fist towards the Lord and say, I don't believe any of that. I love my lifestyle. I love myself. And maybe you're, maybe you're in a place where you're not even thinking that deeply. You're not even thinking about God or Satan or anything, but here's the thing. God has made it very clear in his word. And we will get to the stories of Jesus where we learn Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father but through me. But through me. That is the only way to heaven. There are no other religions. There are no other uh, gods. No, nothing else that will take us into heaven with God for all eternity other than accepting Jesus Christ as your savior, accepting the fact that Jesus did take judgment and punishment upon himself and he died and he resurrected. The Bible says he literally grabbed the keys from hell. When he died, his spirit, you can't kill the spirit of Jesus. He went and got the keys of hell, literally. So he overcame, he rose again, and then he said, I'm going to give you the power to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you and I have a choice. Doesn't mean that we have to be perfect, but we want to be in relationship with God. And the deeper our relationship is with him, the more we realize, wait a minute, this thing I've been doing, this attitude I've had, this sin that I've been cleaving to, it's really not benefiting me. It's really not helping me and it's not benefiting those around me. Jesus said the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and your mind and he, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And when you are loving God with everything in you, you will fulfill that other commandment because God is love and he loves other people. He died for people. God is not there just trying to uh, shake his fist and punish the people who are not living according to his rule book. That's not the way it is. The fact is sin has consequences. And he's saying, if you just live by my design, live by my design. And he, and, and the whole thing with the punishment, here's the thing. God is holy. He is, he himself is so holy. Sin cannot come into his presence. It, it's not allowed there. It's not allowed there. It's only through the blood of Jesus and the fact that Jesus paved a way so that when we accept Jesus as our savior, there is literally a stamp of approval on us. There's literally a seal. It says the Bible says that there is a seal on us, the seal of the Holy Spirit that is on us. And when God sees us, he sees the seal. 
He sees the seal. Have you ever gotten a package in the mail and you've not even opened it up yet? You don't know if something's broken or not, but you see the seal that's on it. You see the writing on it. You know what's in it based on the packaging. (laughs) That's the way we are because he was like, it's not about the damaged goods on the inside because we have all been damaged from sin, from planet earth. But when there is a seal on us, God says, I will make all things new. So it's like if we're in a box, God opens us up for all eternity, puts us together, gives us a new body, gives us a new heart, makes us perfect in his sight. And we will be as Christ. We're not Christ, but we will be perfect as he is because we will live for all eternity as in, as one with him. So I just, you know, I would recommend that you go and read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and understand the fact that there are consequences. God is not smaller than us. I mean, so many people are looking down at God and scoffing at him and like, you know, they're sighing at him and rolling their eyes as if he is something small, something like just an, you know, an idea in people's heads. And I'm telling you, those people are going to be, I mean, awakened when they, it says that every knee is going to bow at the name of Jesus. When we see him face to face and every person is going to see him face to face and we're going to see him in his, in his magnitude, in his greatness, in his holiness. And we're going to realize, whoa, who am I to even bring a judgment on God? Who am I to even say God's right or wrong in his judgments? because he is so great. He has given us mercy to even take another breath on this earth. It's just, it's, it amazes me. It absolutely amazes me that he did not give up on me in my worst of my worst. He still had a plan. And even in my, my own story, my worst of my worst, there was always a love that I had for Jesus, but I would always live in that guilt and that shame. And God's like, why are you living in the guilt and shame? That's what's keeping you down. That's what's holding you down. So if you are living in your guilt and shame for your sins, God is saying, let go of that and come to me, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, if you are weary and heavy laden from your sin, you know what? Don't let that sin be the focus. Just turn your eyes towards Jesus and focus on the price that he paid to give you redemption for that sin. And he will turn your life upside down, make a new creation out of once of, of what once was. Even when you are at a place where you're like, all hope is lost. There is no way he can do anything with this mess. You know, you may have made a mess out of life, out of the people that you love, you know, your job, your career, what you, you know, like what you think your future should be. And God's like, oh no, I still have a plan for your life. So turn to him, turn to him. I want to thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope this has blessed you. Please like it. Please comment. Please share it. Whenever you do those things, it's not about bringing popularity to me. That's not what the purpose of this is. The purpose is to get the word out that God loves people and he has a plan for people in spite of their sin. He has a plan of forgiveness. He has a plan to fulfill and redeem everything that's gone you know, before. He wants to redeem it and fulfill that plan and purpose in every single person's life. But every person has to turn to him and submit to him. 
so that God can do those things. All right. Enjoy your day. Hope you are doing well. And I can't wait for the next podcast. Until then, we'll talk to you later.